Hi everybody, um, super excited for this week's Parsha Shir. We're going to be talking about the concept of Eicha versus Ayeka, how can questioning lead to understanding? Um, so with um, this week's Parsha being Parsha Devarim and the Haftorah being Parsha Chazon, which is traditionally read the Shabbat before Tisha B'Av, um, and we know that uh, the Megillah that we read the day of Tisha B'Av is Eicha itself. So I thought talking about these two concepts um, that come up in this Parsha would be super relevant and hopefully can lead to more understanding. So the first time that Eicha, or those letters Aleph Yud Chaf Hey, appear in Tanakh are in Bereshi Parakimel Pasuk Ted where it says, So Hashem calls out to the man and said to him, Where are you? So this comes after um, the chit of Adam and Chava, the um, original sin, and Hashem calls out to Adam and asks, Where is he? Um, so there's you know a lot of different things to talk about on this pasuk, we could talk about, you know, what's the point of rhetorical questions, and that could be a whole sheer unto itself, um, but I thought we could focus more primarily on the phrasing of the question, what does Ayeka mean? Um, so the Sanhedrin in um, Lamed Chet, on Daf Lamed Chet, uh, Parak Lamed Chet, Daf Bet, says that, um, Rav Yehuda says that Rav says, Adam, the first man, was a heretic, and it is stated, and the Lord called to the man and said to him, where are you? In Genesis 3, 9, meaning to where has your heart turned, indicating that Adam turned from the path of truth. Rabbi Yitzchak says he was one who drew his foreskin forward so as to remove any indication that he was circumcised. It is written here, and they, like men, have transgressed the covenant in Hosea 6, 7, and it is written here, and the un- and this uncircumcised male who was not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that soul shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Right. So this Gemara in Sanhedrin is talking about um, what specifically Adam's actions were and why it is that Hashem called out to him. Right. That like he didn't want to be distinguished as somebody who was a part of the covenant with Hashem. So he chose to cover up, you know, the most infamous sign of that breed um, was his circumcision. And then in Echaraba, in the introduction, um, it says that Rabbi Abahu opens, and they to a person transgress the covenant. This is also from Hosea 6-7. This is the first person said, via Kadosh Baruch Hu, the first person that I put into God Aden, and I commended them, and they transgressed my commands, and I judged them according to exile and banishment, and I mourned for them, saying, How? I put them in Gan Aden, and it says Hashem Elohim took the person and left them in Gan Aden, Bereshi 2.15, and commanded them as it says, Hashem God commanded the person, saying, Bereshi 2.16, and the person transgressed my commandments, as it says, And what about the tree that I commanded you about? Did you eat from it? 
In Bereshi 3.11, it says, And I judged them according to exile. As it says, Hashem drove the person out. In Bereshi 3.24, And I judged the person according to banishment. As it says, Hashem banished them from Gan Eden. Bereshi 3.23, And I mourned for them, crying, Where, as it says, Hashem said to them, Where? Bereshi 3.9, Echa is written, Therefore only his son entered with him to the land of Israel. As it says, I brought you to the farmland in Yermia 2.7, and commanded them, as it says, command the Israelites, Vayikra 24.2, and they transgress my commandments, as it says, all of the Israelites have transgressed your Torah, from Daniel 9.11, and I judged them according to exile, as it says, from my house I will divorce them, this is from Hosea uh, 9.15, and I judged them according to banishment, as it says, banish them from my presence and let them go out, this is from Yermia 15.1, and I mourned them, how it dwells alone. This is from Eicha 1.1. Right, so we see the parallels between um, the exact actions and the response that Hashem had to Adam HaRishon and the response that Hashem had to when B'nai Israel transgressed the commandments that Hashem commanded them, right? It's the exact same repetition of actions. Um, you know, they are manifested in different ways, but the way that Hashem responds to the people committing sins is exactly the same way that he um, responded responded to Adam Harish on this. So this can be like, you know, the first real tangible example where we see that there is a comparison between our Parsha and the Parsha of Adam Harishan. So the Radak um, on the Pasuk in Bereshi Gimel Pasuk Tet says, He called out, Where are you? Hashem used these words as an opener for the conversation, not because he was unaware of their whereabouts. We find a repeat of this when Hashem opened his eyes in conversation with Kain or with Moshe. Right? So, about the question, Ayeka, it seems to be completely a rhetorical question, right? If Hashem didn't know where Adam physically was, like that, that is limiting to Hashem's powers. And we know that Hashem is omnipresent and um, omniscient. So there would be no real way that Adam could successfully hide from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And then we see this again um, when Hashem is talking to Kayan and he says, um, right, where is your brother? Um, and the same thing to Moshe when he asks him, where are you? Right, Hashem knows where each of these people are, but this is an initiation of conversation. And with Adam, we can see that it's, you know, an initiation for Adam to confess to what he did wrong or admit to why he's hiding from Hashem. And this is going to be important when we think about our Pasuk in this week's Parsha and Devar. So the Rashi also on this Pasuk, um, Pasuk Tet says, Ech, um, Echa, where are you? He knew where he was, but he asked this in order to open up a conversation with him, that he should not be confused in his reply, if he were to pronounce punishment against him all of a sudden. Similarly, in the case of Kain, he said to him, um, where is Hevel, your brother? Similarly, with Balaam, what men are these with thee? To open up a conversation with them. So also in the case of Chazkiah, with reference to the messengers of Mordeach Baladan, right? So this Rashi just seeks to explain what the point of the question that Hashem asks to Adam Arishon. So now turning to our Parsha, Parsha Devarim, um, we have this one Pasuk that stuck out and, you know, thinking about Tishabov, I wanted to take 
the contrast of this question of Ayeka versus Eicha. So the Pasuk says, Eicha ese levadi tarchecha memasecha revivecha. How can I bear unaided the trouble of you and the burden and the bickering? Right, this is Hashem. Or this, sorry, this is Moshe talking to Hashem. So on this Pasuk, um, the Shnei Luchot Habrit says that Rabbi Abahu said that Hashem describes how he placed Adam into Gan Eden, commanded him a single commandment which he transgressed. Hashem consequently punished him with expulsion and personally elegized him with the word Ayaka, which can be read as Eicha, an expression of mourning as is in um, Lamentations or uh, Megillat Eicha, and also as used by Moshe and Devarim. Um, this Pasuk and the same sense until he was able to bring the Jewish people into the Holy Land. So uh, Yermia and Perak Bet Pasuk Zion says describes this in the words, the Aviat Chemel Arza Carmel Lechol at Priya, and I have brought you to this land of the Carmel to eat its fruit. Proof that Hashem commanded Israel to observe commandments in the Holy Land is derived from Bamidbar. Uh, Lamed Dalad, Pasuk Bet, command the children of Israel and say to them, when you enter into the land of Canaan, Israel transgressed these commandments as described in Daniel, um, Perak Tet, Sukkim, Tet through Yod Aleph. Daniel includes the whole people as having violated Hashem's teachings, as a result of which the curses in the Torah were poured out over them. Our exile, too, was a result of such conduct, as it's stated in Hosea, Perak Tet, Pasuk Tet, I will expel them from my house. The expulsion was not only to a country adjoining their homeland, but also to far-off places indicated in Yermia, Perak Tet, Vav, Pasuk Aleph, Shlach, Ma'al, Pnei, Viyat, Sa'u. Dismiss them from my presence and let them go forth. In his elegy, Hashem refers to the lonely and the isolated situation Zion finds itself in and as a result in Megillat Echa, Paragal of Pasagalaf. Thus, thus the introduction of Midrash Echa. So, um, again, in talking about the use of Echa, um, the Kedat Yitzchak on this Pasuk says, um, Midrash Echa Rabati, the the first um, Midrashim um, Eicha Rabbah relates in the name of Rabbi Levi. Three people use the term Eicha, Moshe, Yeshaya, and Yermia. This could be understood by the following parable. A lady of substance had three intimate friends. One of the friends knew her when she was at the height of her beauty and wealth. The second friend knew her while she was committing all manner of excesses, overindulgence, etc. The third friend knew her only when she had fallen into disgrace. Thus Moshe saw Israel at peace and at a high level of spirituality. Yet he proclaimed, how can I alone carry the burden of your quarrels? Yeshaya, who knew Israel at a time when she had committed all kinds of excesses, proclaimed, how has she become a harlot? Yermia, who knew Israel in disgrace, proclaimed, how lonesome and isolated has she become? Um, and then again, the Rabbeinu Bachia on this Pasuk says, um, the Dibor Matchel, which is Echa How am I able to carry alone the trouble of you and the burdens? The trouble Moshe was referring to was that he had to explain the meaning of the commandments to foolish people. Our sages in the Sifri and Devarim explained that the Israelites were bothering Moshe with a great deal of litigation, and the loser in litigation would never be content with the judgment, but would claim that he had 
witnesses whom, whom he had not presented, arguments which he had not used, all in order to reopen the matter. Moshe would have to add more judgments to review the case. Right, so this Rabbeinu Bachia sees this um, pasuk, you know, in a lot more of a pragmatic sense, you know, that in the discussions with B'nai Israel, that Moshe wasn't actually able to have a hard line and he needed to constantly re-explain these things to these people and it just wasn't successful so you know when he asks or when he says this is saying that Moshe himself can't handle you know all of these responsibilities so you know taking what we've read so far we have this shift from Ayaka which is an invitation and you know, Hashem seeking to establish a relationship with the Jewish people to the Echa of Devarim, which is Moshe saying that he can't handle this responsibility of the Jewish people, right? It's it's a very sharp contrast into how far things have gone. Um, we're going to do a couple more so- sources on our Pasuk and Devarim, and then I want to shift to um, some later sources for Echa. So the Orachayim, um, again, on this Pasuk says, How can I bear alone? Moshe now reverts to what he had said in verse 9. I cannot bear you myself alone. He had interpreted this train of thought in order to counteract any negative results which would occur to the people from a complaint about them by their leader. At this point, he feels it is safe to carry on with what he said in verse 9, right? So that it's not um, any fault of Moshe that he couldn't handle this people, but the fault lays in B'nai Israel. And finally, we have Rashi on the Spasuk where it says, um, if I were to say, I will do so in order to receive a reward for it, I may not do so. This is what I have already said to you. Not of myself do I tell you that I am not able to bear you, but by the bidding of the Holy One, blessed be he. Right? We know um, throughout the Midbar, and we'll continue into Devarim, as Devarim is you know, really just a reflection of the events that have happened previously in the Torah, that time and time and time again, B'nai Israel finds something to complain about to Moshe. And, you know, Moshe always has to daven and reach out on behalf of B'nai Israel when Hashem's anger gets to be too much. And we see here that, like, this might be the nail in the coffin, that it's for no lack of Moshe's, you know, abilities and his, you know, just his value as a leader. But it, the real lack comes from B'nai Israel, and this is why it's Eicha and no longer Ayeka, because the... The conversation and the roles that B'nai Israel and Hashem have have completely shifted at this point, right? It's no longer an invitation because Hashem knows what B'nai Israel is capable of. It's not that you can redeem yourself. It's that Eicha, this exclamatory that how am I supposed to handle these people? And then, you know, Eicha from this point on, um, whether it's in Megillat Echa where it says Echa Yashva Badad Hayir Rabati Im Hayta Almana Rabati Bagoyim Sharti B'Medinot Hayta Lamas, Alas lonely sits the city, once great with people. She that was great among nations is become like a widow. The princes among states is become a thrall. Or then in Yeshaya, it says Echa Hayta Luzana. Alas, she has become a harlot, the faithful city that was filled with justice, where righteousness dwelt, but now murderers, right? This, you know, this evolving transformation of what 
Nahum means. And the fact that it starts as really an invitation for redemption and evolves into this is what things could have been, but look at how bad they've gotten, right? And I think whether it's Echa or Ayaka, it's really a challenge. Can you step up to the plate in this moment? Is it going to be an Ayaka of how can you fulfill your responsibilities and recognize your faults and follow through on what your responsibilities are? Or does it become an Echa of look at how good things could have been if you had not only failed? And I think, you know, thinking about Tishabov and all of these things that befell the Jewish people, right? It's it's easy to sit in defeat and be in that mindset of echa and just despair and look at how bad things have gotten. But if we can shift this mindset to one of ayaka and what is my responsibility and how can I fulfill what is asked of me? I think this is, you know, something really important and can shift the entire narrative of how we think about Tishabov and just how we relate to what has befallen the Jewish people.